0: Let me tell you a story. Podcast number one hundred ten.
1: It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years it ago. The age of never mind. It is a truth long universally
2: acknowledged. You have been a Christmas you, you, you don't know so about me without you.
3: Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with your hosts Steve and Becky Lyles. Settle back into your seat. Step onto your favorite fitness machine or a lace up your walking shoes and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors.
1: Hi, I'm Steve. Hi, this is Becky. We are privileged today to have a really unique guest with us. His name is Dr. David Bennett, and he has coached wrestling at all levels from grassroots to international, including club, high school college, and national. He's a former national developmental freestyle coach for USA Wrestling, the national governing body of the sport, and a member of the United States Olympic Committee, and a gold-certified coach through NCEP. He's been on staff for over 30 world championships and six Olympic games, and was the 2008 USOC Coach of the Year, receiving the Doc Councilman Award the only wrestling coach to ever receive this award. He was enshrined in National Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2015, receiving the Order of Merit. In 2016, he was given the 2016 Lifetime Achievement Award, USAW. Currently, he is working with the USA National Men's Freestyle Team, doing training and camp preparation video, and scouting for world and Olympic competition. Steve's gonna be asking most of the questions, but I have one to get us started, and that is when you were young, Dave, um what was that point uh when you got interested in wrestling? Well, I guess uh I guess I got interested in
2: wrestling thanks to basketball. Uh, I was uh I had, we'd just gotten into high school, just starting school, and uh uh, we'd had football, and of course I was into athletics, so I played football and uh, was in P.E. class after football had ended. We were back in P.E. for about a week or so before the winter sports started, and the basketball coach was a P.E. teacher. And he uh, he asked me if I was planning to turn out for the basketball team, and I told him I sure am, and he said, well, I'm going to save us both the grief and cut you now, and uh, I was devastated, but he said, He said, well, I got a deal for you. He said, you know, they're starting a brand new sport at this high school, and Mr. Charbonneau, the the new woodshop teacher, is going to be coaching. If you go down and spend two weeks... If you don't like it, you can quit, don't have to come to class, and I'll make sure you get a good grade. But he says, let's see what you think of it. Well, it was wrestling, and when I found out I get a letter for beating kids up, that was it. That was a good deal. So I got involved in wrestling. I was not only on the first team my high school ever had, but the very first wrestling match any of us on the team ever saw we were in.
0: Look how you said that. So now, your doctor, Dave Bennett, how did you go
2: from doctor to wrestling? Well, actually, wrestling took me to doctor, and then that took me back to wrestling. I, uh, uh in college, I had a, a teammate whose dad was an eye doctor. In visiting with him and getting to know him and his family, I thought, you know, this is a looks like a pretty good way to make a living. He seemed to live in a nice house, drove a nice car, and I thought, you know, this isn't all bad. And uh, so I decided that that's what I was going to pursue. But I couldn't get the, uh, couldn't get the wrestling out of my head. From the very, f- all through college, I wrestled, and when I finished with my my degree and started into practice, I would quit seeing patients at 2.30 in the afternoon, go down and help coach the high school, and and that led to assistant coaching, to head coaching in high school, and so while I was practicing as an eye doctor, I still uh, was involved in the sport, and uh, it just it just seemed to go from there. I couldn't get it out of my system, and it was easier to get the doctor out of my system than the wrestling.
0: What was your specialty in doctoring?
2: Uh, I graduated from Pacific University with a, a degree in optometry, and then I uh, Ended up uh, getting some expertise in the contact lens field. I was on the board that first uh, worked with bandage lenses and extended wear lenses, and uh, uh, went back to school a bit, went into practice with ophthalmology in the Tri Cities, and uh, raised my kids there and coached high school there at two different high schools. And uh, uh, during that time frame, uh, some athletes that I had known when I was in college. Uh, were involved in international wrestling, and they called me up and told me that I needed to get back involved with them at that level. And uh, so in the early 80s, I started working with the national team and and doing a lot of traveling, and it just seemed to grow from there, and it reached a point where I had to make a decision, either do this full-time or quit. And I would rather do this full-time and have fun than, than work. So once I quit practice, I was playing the rest of my life.
0: You have the most impressive resume. You have been from local to international, from the youngest to the the oldest. I mean, there's nothing in wrestling you haven't done. Where have you been around the world? I know you travel a lot. Uh, tell us a little about your what you do away.
2: Well... Uh... I, I guess I've been fortunate from the standpoint that uh, the, one of the perks of the job is, is you get to travel a lot. I've probably spent, uh, especially in the latter years, I would spend probably up to two months a year out of the country, uh, a week at a time or two weeks at a time, we'd take a team over to compete maybe in Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan or Siberia or India, uh, you know, all over the place. We got to go to all the garden spots. We even go to Iran. And uh, to this day, we still go to Iran every year for a tournament. It's the only tournament the government pays for because they want to keep that door open. And uh, so we do go over there, and wrestling is is the sport in Iran. And and, uh, so we get treated with a lot of respect because they like good wrestlers, and we are competitive. But uh, the travel was was, uh, interesting, but the competition, the sport, the people you meet— uh, you begin to realize that people all over the world are the same when you deal with them within a given thing like a sport. It's uh, not a lot of difference. They're all competitive, and they all love the sport, and they, you get to really know them rather than the, the philosophy or the government behind them. Now, you were involved in a movie, too, Foxcatcher.
0: What happened there?
2: Well, I, I've actually only seen that movie twice, uh, and it was up for five Academy Awards. So it was well... It was a well thought of movie, but it was a true story, and it was a story that I lived and was part of. It. It's a dark story. It had to do with John Dupont, who's uh, of the du- Dupont family, that the chemicals and gunpowder and all that kind of stuff. And he uh, he murdered one of our Olympic athletes, and uh, it had to do with that. And and uh, I got involved because I had a lot of video and uh, visual footage of people that they wanted to know what they look like, what they talk like, and. And the director contacted me and got a lot of stuff from me. He came out and visited me once in a while. And six years later, he said, we're ready to make this movie. So it was a long process. Uh, I think as a kind of a thank you, he gave me a part in the movie. And, and uh, being part of it and doing it was a lot of fun. But it, it made me realize that one thing in life I didn't think I wanted to do is be a movie star, live that kind of life. I, I, uh, sports are more for me than that. So do you still wrestle? Don't you
0: still um, kind of get on the mat with with kids who need to know how they're doing stuff?
2: I uh, I still do a few camps and clinics and and I'm still able to still able to move well enough to teach, but uh, I don't think I'd be very competitive. But uh, I do work with a lot of the age group kids and even with the national team guys. Uh, you know, t- teaching, instructing, critiquing, we do that, but uh, not as much as I used to. But I'm still involved. Uh, I'm going to go to a camp and march down at the Olympic Training Center, and I'll spend a few days there, and I'm sure I'll be on the mat a time or two. But uh, believe me, I don't do any hard wrestling. It's strictly teaching.
0: You put together, uh, you pioneered, in fact, the use of video to educate coaches and athletes. You've produced more than 60 instructional and promotional videos and DVDs for big-name stuff, and you feature a lot of wrestlers. I noticed of the list... Uh, As far as I know, there are only two women. Is that kind of how, is that kind of what, disparity? A lot more men than women in it, or or how's that?
2: Well, that's rapidly changing today. Uh, There are a lot of women involved. There's a a bunch, I think there's 11 or 15 states now that hold a women's state tournament in high school. Uh, There's uh, 20-some colleges, or maybe it's even close to 30 now, that, Feature women's wrestling in college. Uh, it's been an Olympic sport for the women since uh, Athens in 2004, and it's it's growing. There's several thousand girls that are involved in it, and and uh, it's expanding. And and uh, you know, I've, I've coached a couple of girls in the earlier years because if they wanted to wrestle, they They had to coach, had to work with the boys because that's all there was. But nowadays they have a complete women's program that's uh, separate, the women's freestyle program out of Colorado Springs and in the colleges and universities. But most of my time was spent either in collegiate wrestling at the high school uh, college level or in international folk style wrestling for men. I've I've never really worked a great deal with Greco and uh, not not as much time with the women as most coaches nowadays would have to do probably. You have produced over 40 instructional tapes
0: that are used in clinics around the world. Are those available to uh, like on YouTube or somebody who's wanting to get into wrestling?
2: Are those available for purchase? I think some of them are still in the market in different places. Uh, USA wrestling used to, used to sell a bunch of them and, um, Fila did the international governing group is UWW. Now they've changed their name to United world wrestling, but, uh, a lot of these were done for them or for the officials, and, and they were shared with the officials, but not necessarily with the public. But a lot, of the, a lot of it, I did it more for the athlete. I would take one of the athletes, and we would do an instructional tape, and then he would take those tapes to his camps and clinics and sell them to make extra money. And, and it's been, it was a good source of income for the, for the athletes to help them be able to keep co- competing and, and continue to wrestle. And, uh, yeah, there's some of them that are still on the market out there, and there's some of them available. Uh, but uh, there's always new ones coming about, and there's you know most of those were done on originally VHS and then maybe some DVD, but nowadays all these things are on the Internet as downloads and whatnot. Over the course
0: of I'm not sure how many years, you probably have some, some highlights, some stories that if you were together with somebody, you'd say, hey,
2: there was this time when.
0: What are some of those?
2: Well, some of them I probably can't tell, but uh, but I, I get travel wise, I've got I've got a, f- a favorite one that I, I like to we'll talk about sometimes. But we were on our way to the World Championships, and it was a joint World Championships freestyle and Greco-Roman, and it was going to be in Varna, Bulgaria, in 1991, and we were flying over, and we flew into uh, in, into uh, Budapest, and. Uh, we took and, and uh, that went from there to Sofia. And in Sofia, we were all supposed to get on this plane and go to Varda, which is just over the top of the mountains right on the coast of the Black Sea. But our plane was delay, you know, was sitting there in the runway, but we were already getting on it. And this was like 10.30 in the morning. Well, finally, about 5.30 that afternoon, they tell us we can begin to board the plane. So we go in, we take our seats on the plane, and pretty soon they start bringing the baggage in and setting bags in the middle of the aisle. Then they start bringing people in and setting people on the bags. So evidently they wanted to really fill this plane because they not only had every seat full, but they had people sitting on the bags in the aisle, no seat belts, And the plane starts down the runway. And all of a sudden it hits the brakes. And the guy turns around right on the runway and drives right off the, end of the runway into this field. And he's revving up those engines like they are an old B-26, and I could, t- having been a pilot, I knew what he was doing. He was getting ready to try to take off with more load than he should have, just like they do with the bombers. And he, he took off with that thing with the just held the brakes as long as he could, and we took off and started coming out of there. And everybody in that plane was wondering where are we going, why are we doing this? But we we got there safely. But that was that was a flight I don't won't forget. <laughs>
0: Well, what about some wrestling highlights or experiences?
2: Well, I guess I've I've been fortunate to uh, be a part of of the sport at a at a high level for a long time. Over over the course of the years, I've been able to be at on staff for over thirty world championships between the the junior, university, and senior levels. I've been on staff for six Olympic games uh, on site and a couple more since off site. Uh, but it's it's uh, working with that caliber of an athlete is always is always exciting because uh, the the one thing they they all have in common is they all know what hard work is they all know what dedication and commitment is and and uh, it's really a, it's really an exciting group to be around because they they uh, they take and and really put themselves into what they're doing the way they train the way they. They go after things, the way they watch and manage their weight. It's, it's, a, it's an exciting process. And what's even more exciting today for me is that so many of these athletes and coaches have, have become involved in, in, a, in a Christian lifestyle, and this makes it real interesting. And I, and I guess a good example of that would be just this last World Championships that we had just this last uh, fall uh, Kyle Snyder, who's a, a young man, that's uh, our youngest Olympic champion ever. He's a, a three-time NCAA champion. He's won the worlds twice and in, in the uh, the Olympics, and in the World Championships just this past fall, he was facing the same athlete he'd beaten the year before from Russia, and uh, he made a mistake, got caught, and got pinned in about a minute. It didn't last long. You know, the first move of the match turned into disaster, and and uh, Uh, You know, this this is a young man who's been at the pinnacle and the peak and and really doing things well, and all of a sudden, here's a major disappointment. And this is why it's so interesting to watch these athletes, because he got up, as a good sport should get up, and shook his hand and walked off the mat. And when interviewed a few minutes later, because the press is always right there, they don't give you time to gather your thoughts, they asked him, you know, what happened? What did you think? And he took the time to point out to them that he wanted to be sure that they knew that wrestling didn't define him. His wins and losses didn't. What defined him was his relationship with the Lord. And this is the kind of attitude we're seeing among a lot of these international athletes right now. And it's an exciting place to be because uh, it's what I think the world needs more of. Well, that's a great statement from the
0: athlete. Wow. How does wrestling relate to martial arts or to mixed martial arts, all those
2: competitions? Well, wrestling really is the ultimate martial art. I mean, uh, how many fights have you ever seen that don't turn into a, a wrestling match? You know, two little kids, when they get to scrap, and the first thing one does is grab a headlock on the other one. You know, I mean, it's just, it, wrestling is where it goes. And and that's why so many of these people in mixed martial arts or in MMA fighting, for example, the guys that have been really successful in MMA fighting uh, Randy Couture, uh, Liddell, uh, Matt Lindland, Dan Henderson, Henry Cejudo right now, uh, they've all got a wrestling background. And sure, they got to go out and they've got to learn how to do all these other things, but that's easy compared to the years they've put into the wrestling. And the the tough one is for the guy that's done judo all his life to learn how to wrestle, because that skill is probably more important in a lot of respects. And and uh, so I think the reason that... that uh, Wrestling works well for the martial artists, mixed martial arts, because it is a mixed martial art. It's the ultimate mixed martial art, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Dave, your memory is something
0: else. I hardly remember my birth year, and you remember all the stats, these names, uh, what year you were where, what city from where to where,
2: how you got there. I mean, it, that's, how do you do that? It's fading fast. <laughs> you know, it's fading fast. I it's it's uh I I think when you're around it and working it and and it, in it every day it it's it's fresh. You get reminded when you're talking to people, uh, you're you're working on things, things you get called back. So you have constant reminders that kinda of help you remember these things. So you gotta go back and you gotta check this out or that out. So you got reminders that are there all the time, but but uh Believe me, my memory is not what it used to be, and uh, you know I, I I just I just feel blessed and feel fortunate to have been able to be a part of this sport, to be able to meet the people I've have met. The 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 big reward is is in the friendships. It's wrestling's really like a big family. It's uh, you know Dan Gable, a f- famous coach from once said once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy, and uh, there's some truth to that. It's it's a different sport. It's one-on-one. You're out there by yourself. Uh, you, you've you got to take the the lumps, and you've got to take the loss, but you can claim the victory too. And while it is a team sport, it is very personal. And it's the one sport that, unlike other sports, you don't play. You know, people say they're going to play baseball. They're going to play football. They're going to play basketball. But nobody plays wrestling. They just wrestle, and there's no play in it. And it's it's really... For me, it's it's real exciting to be able to test yourself against another individual and and uh, win or lose, uh, if you know you've left it all on the mat, if you know you've given it everything you have, there's never any regret or shame in that.
1: Speaking of memory, <laughs> uh, my brother wrestled in high school. So I've seen, and I have to say that was 50 years ago. <laughs> can't believe it. Um, so I've seen quite a few wrestling matches at that time on the high school level. So how has high school wrestling changed? Has it changed at all since then?
2: Yeah, they're they're uh, they're much better athletes than they used to be because they're number one. They're starting at an earlier age. It's just like every other sport. These kids are involved in athletics at five six years of age and they continue with them all the way through so when you get to high school you've got a lot of kids there that have been wrestling a lot of years and have a lot of matches a lot of experience on their belt so the, it, the sport just gets tougher and it gets better and it gets more competitive but the fundamental lessons that I think that that really are important haven't changed you know wrestling teaches you more about yourself than any other sport I think because of the commitment you have to make but it it, it gives you confidence. It it gives you things that you can carry on in life. And i i, I always I, I always tell the kids when I do a camp or a clinic, I always tell them that that uh, if they're going to be successful in life ever, there's four things you are going to learn to do, and all four of them you can learn through through wrestling. And the first one is is as as the Bible teaches us, "A man without vision shall perish." Well, that's the same thing as saying you better have a dream. You got to have a goal, and uh, so goal setting is is a big part of being able to succeed in life, being able to set goals, long-term goals, short-term goals, mid-range goals, and you have to be able to adjust those goals as you go along. So goal setting is something you learn, and it's, a, it's part of the sport, and I think it's important. The second thing that goes along with that is self-sacrifice. I think you have to be able to self-sacrifice to accomplish something. If you want something bad enough, what are you willing to give up? And it's going to be something you don't want to give up. It might be maybe an association or a person that's bringing you down. It might be changing your habits. It might be getting up in the morning early so you can run. But there's going to be something you're going to have to give up that you don't want to give up. And, and if you, that's why it's sacrifice, because you don't want to do it. The, the next thing is, I think you get out of it, is association. And that is that if you want to accomplish something or go somewhere, then you better associate with people that have either done it or know how to do it. Because there's only two people that know, those that have helped others do it or they've done it themselves. And there's no better people to be around in anyf- anything than those people that are headed in the same direction and know what to do. And, and this means your friends too, because if your friends don't buy into what you're doing, they'll, uh, they won't encourage you. They won't, won't help you commit to what you're doing. So association is important and you learn that in the sport too. And the last one is, you don't get anywhere without a plan of action. You know, I, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? And, and then you better be able to stick to that plan, not deviate from it until you have good reason to do so. And that's where coaching comes in. You help them establish a plan, help them tell them when that plan's on track and when it's not, and when it's not, get them back on track. And, and it, it's, it's, these, these are things that I think can carry you through life if you can commit them and, and, and use them to you know, the best of your ability. Wow, that is great advice.
0: I'm glad you said that part. Going back a little bit, uh, you were talking about a wrestler being on the mat, the sport being a family, and yet the wrestler is there, really by him or herself. Uh, do you see? Do you do you correlate that with life? Is that a metaphor?
2: Uh, you know, we're each responsible for our own life, so I guess I correlate it in that fashion, but. You're alone on that mat, but when the match is over, you're not alone. You still have friends and family, and hopefully they're still going to care for you and, and, and be concerned about you and love you the way they did before. It shouldn't depend on whether you win or lose. And, of course, if you have a relationship with the Lord, that He's with you always. But the personal competition, you're alone out there for that. Nobody's, Nobody can come out there and, and perform for you. You have to perform for yourself. This is the same as if you are a concert pianist. When you go out on that stage, you're the one that's performing. Nobody can go out there and do that for you. So you know whether that's a successful thing or a, a, a failed thing is dependent upon the time you've put in, the work you've put in, how much you believe in what you're doing, and whether you can put that across to other people. And the Same thing is true in the wrestling. mat. when that whistle blows, it's a competition, and it's it's a physical competition because it's a combative sport, and combative means there's combative fights going on, and and within rules, but it's still a fight, and and the answer is uh, you you you're the only one that can win or lose out there. Somebody else can't step. You can't. It's not like a tag team thing. Someone can't tap somebody on the shoulder. So you're responsible for what goes on out there. And now. You're also going to have a better chance of doing well if you've done the things you need to do, prepare for it. If you're not prepared, it's, it's not a good idea to step out there. So what
0: kind of mental
2: preparation is required? Well, uh, you know, that's actually the key to it all, is mental. It's, 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 uh, your mental attitude, your, your mental preparation is, is really everything. When you get to that level of, of an Olympic competitor... They're all physically strong. They're all in shape, and they all know how to wrestle, or they wouldn't be there in the first place. So mental preparation is a big, big part of it, and and uh, you know, and that that's the toughest hurdle for some to get over. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's ninety percent mental, and the other ten percent's mental. But it's it's one of those things where you have to. When you get to that level, and you've done everything you need to do, then you better have your mind right too. You better be able to. Uh, you know, you, when, when things don't go your way, you have to understand that it isn't over and, until it's over. So you have to be able to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep going on. And that, that takes mental preparation. It takes mental toughness. And I think mental toughness is the secret ingredient to the sport. If, if you're not mentally tough, you're going to have a tough time in the sport. And if you're not mentally tough, the sport will make you mentally tough if you stay with it. Thanks, Dave. Can you think of the worst match you can remember? <laughs> yeah, the worst match I can remember was my first match. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it. Uh, <laughs> I was raised by my, my grandparents, and uh, they didn't know anything about wrestling, but my grandfather, they, they, uh, he decided that he was going to go watch this wrestling match and see what it was all about. And so I've got him there and friends in the stands that are watching and teammates and, and classmates and whatnot, and I've got this kid that's supposed to be real tough, and I don't even really know what a wrestling match is. Well, I went out there, and it didn't take him very long to take me down, and he put on a, a mover on my stomach that's illegal nowadays called a figure four and squeezes and just not trying to pin me, just squeezing. And so when the period is over, the two, first two-minute period is over, I have to get up and go over and puke in the bucket. So I come back and and the ref says, uh, "You're down, so that means my turn on the mat, and he puts that same figure four on me and squeezes some more, and I go back to the bucket and uh, this is kind of how the match went and and uh, it was real embarrassing, but it was it also told me and taught me that I'm going to get good enough that nobody can ever do that to me again and uh, it made me tougher it made me it made me take a look at what I needed to do, how I had to get better, things I had to do and and i decided uh, i wasn't going to quit i was going to get better than, better than i was and i was going to get to the point where i could beat that boy and uh it it gave me uh something to shoot for and uh, but it was tough and i will never forget that match because there's my poor grandfather stands watched me go over that bucket about 3 times <laughs> so did you ever beat the guy never wrestled him again <laughs> <laughs> never, never got a chance to wrestle him again but uh you know that that <laughs> It, uh, but that never happened to me again. I can tell you that we went to work on that. And that that was uh, that was an experience I never experienced again. <laughs> <laughs> How about and and maybe it's the one you
0: told about the guy who who gave such a great statement after uh, after losing. But some some great match where you know the what do you call it the
2: underdog or the,
0: the great thing happened that was so unexpected.
2: Well, I guess. Uh, I guess unexpected things that happened would be uh uh that I witnessed I wasn't coaching at the time I was I was close to the mat by the mat side but it was a Greco match we were in we were in Sydney Australia in 2000 and um I was there uh, doing some uh, doing some video stuff for the Greco team because the freestyle hadn't started yet and uh Roulan Gardner who is a Dairy Farmer's son from Afton, Wyoming, is wrestling a guy that's got 13 gold medals, going for his fourth Olympic gold medal, has never been beaten, by the name of Alexander Karelin from Russia. And if there was any buddy, there anybody, you could have gotten a 1,001 odds that there wasn't a chance of him winning that match, and, and Rulon rose to the occasion and won the match. And uh, that was probably the most unexpected thing I've ever seen in the sport. But it was... Pretty wonderful to see. He wrestled in high school. Couldn't make team till his brother graduated. He was a heavyweight, and uh, he wrestled at Ricks Junior College, and then he went to Nebraska, wrestled at Nebraska, and then he went into Greco-Roman wrestling. and And uh, he wasn't a physical specimen to look at. He was just a big heavyweight, but he had a motor, and and you just you couldn't couldn't wear him down. and And uh, he had a heart. and Boy, he was. He was bound and determined, and and every, you know they kind of they kind of poo pooed that you know maybe he got a little lucky, but he came back and won a world title after that, so I think that took away too. So he was he was a he was an outstanding Greco wrestler, and to that match was an exciting one. It was it was really unexpected, and it was wonderful to behold. Steve, I want to want to thank you and your wife for having me over here to uh, to visit with you and talk about some of these things. But I, I guess the thing I would like to leave you with is that if there's parents out there that don't know much about this sport or know anything about it, uh, it's not for everybody. But I will tell you this, that the thing it has to offer, win or lose, is, is a lesson that you can take with you through life. It teaches you how to deal with adversity, it teaches you how to develop some confidence, self-confidence, it teaches you humility they're, they're just, I could go down a list that's a mile long, you know, dedication, determination, you know, all of these kinds of things come out of this sport and it isn't about just winning or losing because if everybody that lost quit there wouldn't be anybody left to compete. It, it's, It teaches you a lot about yourself and how to really Work and strive toward goals and things you have in life. And I would encourage you, if you've got a young man that's shown an interest in the sport, take an interest with him because it's, it's a good thing. Well, I want to say, Dave, thanks for coming. I sure appreciate
0: your time, your effort, and all your stories. And, but thanks for being a friend. We've had plenty of breakfasts together over the years. We hope you enjoyed Dave's stories that's going to do it for now.
1: Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading.
3: Thank you for listening to Let Me Tell You a Story. Please email your comments, suggestions, and submissions to story at BeckyLyles.com. Steve and Becky like to hear your thoughts, and they encourage authors to send stories and other short prose and poetry for them to read on the podcast. You can learn more about Becky's books by visiting BeckyLyles.com or by searching for her books online. Her nonfiction titles can be found under the name Becky Lyles and her fiction under Rebecca Carey Lyles. All of her books are available in both print and ebook formats. Winds of Wyoming and Winds of Freedom are also offered in audio format online. That's all for now. Tune in next time to enjoy a fresh assortment of stories on Let Me Tell You a Story.